At the, at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, <clears throat> Matthew records that, that the crowds were astonished at Jesus' teaching. That, that he had spent, we don't, we don't know how long, if it was one day or, or, or several days, but that he had taught them, and he taught them in, in such a way that, that was different than, than the scribes and, and, and the Pharisees and those uh, religious leaders and, and, and teachers of, of the day. It's, it's almost as if Matthew is... is uh, is is anticipating what what would a skeptic say? It's like, well, how do they know he's teaching with with authority? Just because you get up and say these things doesn't give you the authority. And so he immediately follows that with this series of miracles that Jesus performs that confirm or or validate how he has been teaching. So he, he comes down from the mountain and these great crowds are following him. I mean, you, you would expect that. You've, he's, he's, he's been teaching. They're astonished. They're, they're hanging on every word that he, that he says. And as he, as he leaves, they continue to follow him where he's going. And then he's writing, and, he, and, and I, I just love this, this word when, when, they, when it's in the, in the new, particularly the, the New Testament, it's, it's behold. Here are these great crowds following him. It's a surprise word, an, an, an exclamation. Here are these crowds following him. And you can just picture, you know, you've seen enough movies of first century life with, with the, the, the robes, the cloak, that, that they wore and sandals and these crowds and, and, and probably the, the, the disciples close to Jesus and they're going and all these crowds are, are following him. And what do you expect next? All of a sudden it's like this thunderclap, this, this clap. It's like, behold, a leper is coming to him. Not one that you would expect. I mean, if, if Matthew was making this up, who would it be? It, it might be uh, Herod Antipas, <coughs> the, 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 the tetrarch who's in charge of Galilee. Or maybe it would be the high priest or even the emperor himself. But it is an outcast from society who comes up to him, a, 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 a leper. And he comes up to him and he, and he, and he kneels. I mean, it's, it's, it's almost scandalous that this one who's unclean would approach such a teacher, that, that would approach such a crowd. Le leprosy, <laughs> a, a, a disease of the skin, they, they say in ancient times it, was, it wasn't always just Hansen's disease, which is, named, which is modern day leprosy, named after the, the uh, I don't know if he's a doctor or scientist, but the one who discovered the bacteria that, is, that causes leprosy. But it, but it made a person unclean ceremonially, but it also was just a totally disgusting thing to look on. Depending on how, how progressed the, the, the disease was in a, in a, in a person, his, his fingers could literally rot off, his toes could rot off, his ears, I mean... That's enough. If you want more, then look it up. And, and, and it, but it's a, it's, a, it's a bad thing. You did not want 
to, to, to get leprosy. And here comes this leper. And, and he's got to be crying out as he's approaching Jesus. It was, it was part of the Mosaic law. When, read Leviticus 13 and 14, and, and you'll see how Israel was to uh, deal with leprosy. And if a leper was approaching anyone, he had to cover his mouth and he had to, and he had to cry out in a loud voice, unclean, unclean, so, so that people would know and they would stay away because if they touched him, they would be uh, unclean and have to reside outside of the camp or the, the community for a period of time and, until it was determined that, okay, they had not contracted this disease. And so here, here comes this man, and, and I can, you could just picture him saying, unclean, unclean. And, and, and the crowd, they were astonished at Jesus' teaching. I think they're probably just as astonished at, why is this guy coming up he, he's ruining this, this, you know, this event, this, this good deal we have going on. You know, he, he, he should know better. But he, but he comes up to, to, to Jesus and he kneels beside him. And what does he say? Lord, heal me. No, he says, he's, he's very humble. He says, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. That he, that he has faith that Jesus can if, if Jesus is willing. It's kind of reminiscent of, of um, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Remember them? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And they're going to throw them in the fiery furnace. And, and, and they say, our God is able to deliver us if it's his will. And the leper says the same thing. Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. And Jesus does the unthinkable. He says that he stretches out his hand, he touches him, and it doesn't take two weeks. It doesn't take a nanosecond. Immediately, he is, he is cleansed, and the leprosy leaves him. And then Jesus kind of throws this, one of those curveballs, it's like, okay, why does he say this? He, he says, see that you say nothing to anyone, but go and show yourself to the priest and offer the gift that Moses commanded for a proof to them. Okay, so before you can ask me, why did he say don't tell anybody? I want to ask you, why did he say don't tell anybody? Why does Jesus not want to know? There, there are, we don't know how many is in this crowd, but, but it would, you know, you could speculate dozens and dozens of people, maybe hundreds of people who are there and have seen what happened. So the leper doesn't have to tell anybody. But Jesus says, don't tell anybody. Go and, and show yourself to the, to the, to the priest. So why do you suppose he tells him not to tell anyone? It's sort of a, an indictment 
to the priest. It's kind of interesting that the, the Net Bible, N-E-T, it's, it's, a, it's a, a, a very recent translation. Uh, a lot of the, 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 the professors at Dallas Theological Seminary, as well as other Greek and Hebrew scholars, worked on it. And in parentheses in their notes, it, it, it says, as an indictment to the priests. Remember, they missed an opportunity roughly 30 years previously when the Magi came from the east and said, we've seen the, the star of, of, of the one born, the king of the Jews that was born. Where, and, and Herod asked the, the, the priests, the scribes, where, where's the king of the Jews to be born? And, and, and the priests, they're like, well, it's going to be in Bethlehem, but they don't go and investigate. And so now it's, it's, it's as if this is, the ESV says, for a proof to them to show the priests, the religious leaders, that the Messiah has come. Leprosy was considered, I mean, and maybe this is a little bit of speculation, that, but, they're, but they're, go back and read 2 Samuel 5, verse 7 and, and 14 in particular, but that leprosy was considered the equivalent of raising someone from the dead. It, it, was, it, it was incurable. It, it's interesting, was there even a priest in Israel, let alone on duty then, remember they, they worked in, 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 in cycles, that had even performed the cleansing ritual as prescribed in Leviticus, I think it's 14, 13, 14. When, when Naaman, the Syrian general, back in 2 Kings 7, was introduced into the, into the narrative, says that, that he, he, he was a mighty soldier. He was faithful to the king of Syria. He, he, he fought many battles, won many battles, but he had leprosy. And they had captured this little Israelite girl. And she said, would that you were in Israel where our God could heal you. And so the king of Syria sent word to the king of Israel, the northern kingdom, I think it's Jehoram at the time. But, uh, and, and, and when Jehoram got the, that, that message, what did he say? He said, am I God? that I can kill or bring to life? Meaning that it's, it's, it's the equivalent of raising somebody from the dead for someone to be cured of leprosy. There, there's not a, another recorded one after that event, that account of, of, of Elisha. There, there could have been some, maybe not. Moses had, remember, Moses had, had, had prayed to God to heal Miriam, his sister, after Miriam and Aaron had stood up against Moses and, and, and talked down to him because he had married the Cushite woman back in, in Exodus before they even get to the promised land. And, and, and God struck Miriam with leprosy. So, it, so it's, a, it, it, it's, it's sort of associated with, with sinfulness. But, it, but in a bigger picture, it's, 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 it's a type of the fall of man and just how ostracized and, and unclean people are because of, of, of sin. 
And so here this, this, this leper comes, Jesus heals him, and he sends him, go to the priests. Number one, I came not to, uh, to uh, abolish one jot or tittle of the law, go and do what the law says, but also show the priests that they might know, that, that, that they might believe as well. But, but the priests, they, they realize if, if we believe in Jesus as Messiah, then you know, there goes our money source. That, I mean, it was, they, they did not want anything outside of the status quo. So the, the leper is healed, and then Jesus says that he's, he's enters into Capernaum. And while he's in Capernaum, here comes this, this centurion. Who was a centurion? I know you know this, but let's just kind of remember and review. A centurion was, was a uh, basically kind of a mid-level Roman officer, army officer. It was one who had come up through the ranks. He had proven himself in, in battle. There was, a, there was an upper tier of, of officers that were born and of the upper class, but the centurion had, had really worked his way up and, and uh, was given this position because of his faithful service to the emperor. When, when he became a centurion, he, he signed on for a 20-year stint. You know, I don't know if you sign up now these days, if it's, if it's four years or two years. or I mean, you know, it, it's varied uh, th through the years, but this was 20 years. You could not marry. You could not have a family. You had to be devoted strictly to the, the Rome and, and to the emperor. And, and so we have this, this, this centurion. He's a Gentile. So you've got two so far, an, a leper, an outcast socially and, and spiritually, religiously from the nation. And now you have a Gentile coming to Jesus. And he, and he, and he tells him, it's like the emphasis on this is the dialogue, the, the speech, not, not the event. He says, Lord, my servant is lying paralyzed, suffering terribly. He's lying paralyzed at home. You know, whether the, the, the centurion probably lived in Capernaum, so he's blocks away, a distance away, he's, but he's not there with, with the uh, centurion as he uh, uh, approaches Jesus. And in verse 7, it, it can be a question or it can be a statement. Jesus says, I'll come and heal him. But it could, it could easily be uh, translated as a question. What? Shall I come and heal him? That he, that he wants the, the, the centurion to, to spell it out a, a little bit more, what, what he wants. And, and the centurion says, Lord, I'm not worthy for you to come under my roof. Does he realize exactly who Jesus is? He's, he's heard of him. The New Testament generally portrays centurions in a, in a good light, that, that, they, uh, that they were fair-minded in, in their dealings with the Jews, the, the accounts in the New Testament. Now, all of them were not, certainly. And, and, and even later, after uh, Jesus' uh, time, that, that there were some that in putting down Jewish rebellions were, were, were very brutal and, and uh, 
not anything but fair-minded to, to the Jews. But he says, he, he tells him, I'm not worthy. He, does he realize just the, 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 the nature, how the Jews look down on the Greeks, Gentiles? Probably so that, you know, I, I know you can't come to my house without becoming unclean. He says, but I'm like you. I'm a man under authority. The centurion represented who? The emperor, the, the Caesar. And so if the centurion gave an order, it had the authority of Caesar. So what is he saying when he tells Jesus, I'm a man under authority too? The centurion is, is acknowledging that Jesus is under authority of a higher God, a higher power, the God of Israel, that, that you are a servant of God just as I am a servant of Caesar. I tell one to go, and he goes. If I tell him to, to, to come, he comes. If I tell him to do this, he does that. You know, you know the old adage, uh, or you know, maybe your, your dad told you this. Or It, it sounds more like a, a coach thing. Not, not to be offensive to anybody, but, you know, if I tell you to jump, you say how high. It, it, and and that, that's what the, the, the centurion is saying. Whatever you say will be done. What is Jesus' response? And, you know, this is one to underline because this doesn't happen many times. It's only happens one more time in, in, the, in the New Testament. It's already happened before this chronologically, but Jesus marveled. He was astonished. The only other time that it, that it occurs is in Mark 6, 6, when Jesus is in Nazareth, and, and they reject him, his, his hometown, his, his childhood town, and, and he says that he marveled at their unbelief. Here he's marveling at the centurion's belief. There in, in, in Nazareth, he, he marveled at their unbelief. And he says, he, he goes on, he says, Truly, I tell you that no one in Israel have I found with such faith. That includes those priests that the leper was to go to to show his cleansing by the power of Jesus. It includes the scribes and, and the Pharisees and, and everyone that is within hearing distance. He says, I've found no one in Israel that had such faith. And then, it, then he goes on. It's, you know, sometimes we think, well, when Peter uh, went to Cornelius and it, and, it was, and it was kind of opening up the, the, the gospel to the Gentiles or, or Paul going to the, to the Gentiles. But, but right away, Jesus makes it clear that salvation is for, for all people. The Abrahamic covenant, that you will bless all nations. And he says, I tell you, many will come from east and west and recline at, a at the table of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. The, the, the messianic uh, banquet that Isaiah talks about, that, that many will come from all over. It's not just for the Jews. The Jews are to be a light to the, to the nations. And he says, while the sons of the kingdom, that would be, that would be the, the Jews, the Israelites, will be thrown into, notice the, 
Well, it's the definite article, the, the outer darkness. And, and the English translations leave it out, but it says where there will be the weeping and the gnashing of teeth. That, it, that it's this definite, specific, the worst kind of weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth that, that anyone can imagine, that separation from, 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 from God. Many in Israel will be like that. You're going back to, the, to, to what he taught in the, in the Sermon on the Mount, that not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. And that, that you're not going to get in just because you're a, a descendant of Abraham. It's those who have faith like this centurion who, who put their, that faith in Jesus that will be part of the kingdom. And it doesn't matter if they're a leper or a Gentile, that, that the same faith saves them all. And so Jesus tells this centurion, go, let it be done for you as you have believed. And the servant was healed at that very moment. Matthew doesn't record Jesus looking in the direction of the centurion's house and saying anything or waving his hands or sending anyone to, to heal him. He just says he's astonished by his faith and he says, go home. He's, he's healed. This one that you love, this centurion who, this servant is probably the closest thing to family that he has. As a matter of fact, Matthew doesn't use the typical word for servant or slave, which is doulos. He uses another word, which is pas, P-A-I-S, that, that, that means, it can mean child. That this is his, his, he can't marry, he can't have children because he's to serve Caesar. So, so this is his, his closest friend and confidant, even though he's a servant, and he says, go, it'll be done. And the servant was healed at that, at that moment. You get the idea? The servant, the centurion just, he believed him and left. Matthew doesn't even have to write it because he, Jesus has already made such a point of the centurion's great faith. You know, we don't read about him going back, you know, uh, hustling back and, and, and throwing open the door or looking in the window. He just, he goes because he believes what Jesus has said. So we've had two outcasts. And when we get to the next one, it's kind of like, does Matthew have a sense of humor? He, he's he's a, a leper, a centurion, a Gentile. Well, who's next? A mother-in-law. I mean, okay, never mind. <laughs> he enters Peter's house. That, that, that apparently Peter and Andrew, they're, they're, they're living there in, in Capernaum. Maybe it's at Bethsaida. We, we, we read in John chapter 1 that they lived in Bethsaida, which is uh, about six or eight miles from Capernaum. But that he, when he goes in, he sees Peter's mother-in-law is lying there sick with a fever. And, and in the old days, the fever itself was the disease. You know, now the, the fever is a... We know it's a symptom of the disease, whether it's uh, bronchitis, pneumonia, COVID, uh, that, it's, that it's a symptom uh, of that. But it was, they considered it a disease. Who asked Jesus to heal the mother-in-law? 
but doesn't look like nobody. Nobody asks him. He sees it, and he goes and he touches her, and, and she's healed. You know, the leper came for himself. The centurion came for someone else. And in this case, Jesus just healed her. He saw the, the need, and he healed her. Did we ask God to send Jesus to heal us from the disease of sin? God saw our need and sent Jesus, and he provided that healing for all who will receive it without us having to ask. Because, to be honest with you, we are not smart enough to ask, you know, unless God showed us our, our sin. We're like sheep who have gone astray. And, and, you know, they say, I've never owned a sheep, don't know very little, but they're, supposedly they're not real smart, you know. They will just follow anyone. But, but God sent Jesus who saw our sickness and provided that healing without us, without us asking. I think maybe the, the, the real connection of the three as far as outcasts is that his mother-in-law was a woman. And, and women were not considered of any value in the first century. And here Jesus is healing a, a leper who is a total outcast, a Gentile, and a, and a woman. That even the, the lowest in society are, that, that Jesus puts value in them. And look at her response. I mean, this is embarrassing to men. She's healed, and what does she do? Immediately she gets up and she begins serving Jesus. You know, remember, if you can, the, a previous occasion when you had a fever, when you were sick and you had a fever, and all of a sudden it breaks, well, you're still kind of in a weakened condition most of the time. But this healing is complete and, and instantaneous, and she, begin, she gets up and begins, and begins, yeah, begins to serve Jesus and the others. And it's kind of like, that evening, they invite all these people from town to come to, to the house. And so she's got even more to do in, 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 in helping others. But it's, it's, a, it's, it's, it's an application or a teaching of the healing, the response to the healing was serving the Lord. And maybe we think about that when we, after our, when, when, when we're saved, when we receive salvation, it's like, okay, now I want to do something for the Lord. But, but do things interfere? Do things kind of come between us and Jesus as we, as we progress through life? It's like, well, I'm going to serve him as soon as I finish this. You know, I've got this fence to build, or I got this job to do, or, and, and we're going to see that here, I think it's next week, yeah, those who, who want to follow Jesus, but they have, okay, I'll do it, but after I do these other things, Peter's mother-in-law immediately, out of 
gratitude, her just response to the healing that Jesus provided that she began, she got up and began to serve him. It says, then that evening they brought many others who were oppressed by demons, uh, and, and he cast out the spirits with the word and healed all who were sick. Now, why did he do this? Matthew wants there to be no doubt. It's to fulfill what the prophet Isaiah wrote. And you'll find that in, in Isaiah uh, 52, starting in verse 15 through Isaiah 53. It, it's it's the, the suffering servant song. It's, it's, the, it, it's Isaiah's writing of what the Messiah is going to do. I think it's 800 years before Jesus comes that, that, that Isaiah gives us this, this prophecy. And, and Matthew's got the big picture in mind when he says, because the, the, the passage in Isaiah is about the Messiah coming and by his, by his stripes we're healed, by his wounds we receive salvation. The big picture is, is, is that of spiritual healing from sin, but it, but it goes to, I'm not sure what passage Corey will be preaching from today, but in Revelation 21, 4, where it says, after the new heaven and the new earth, there'll be no more weeping, no more pain, no more illness, that I, Jesus fulfills that prophecy when he returns and the, and the, and the new kingdom and the new the new heaven, the new earth are, are established and the kingdom of God is established forever and ever and ever. So Matthew goes from recording this, the, the preaching of Jesus and he, and he shows us what confirmed or validated that authority, that he, he, did, he wasn't just a man of words, but that he also performed these miracles and, and, and these actions of compassion, grace to, to all people. And, and he starts with these three that are, that are outcast uh, among the Jewish community. What is the, in, in, in just considering these three, what is the biggest surprise or, or what is the, the, the thing that we maybe neglect or, or forget most often? In, in, in the three people that Jesus, that Jesus healed, Okay, that's really kind of obscure. Okay, Jesus loves everybody. He, he's reaching out to these outcasts. And one of them's a Gentile. One of them is a, is a leper who, he doesn't have anything. You know, lepers were to, um, you'd have a hard time like distinguishing a leper today because they had to they had to tear their clothes. I mean, you can go to the 
store and, and buy clothes that are already torn. You know, you had to keep your hair all messed up. You couldn't, you, you weren't to comb your hair, your beard. Uh, but but that they they had to look the part like they're mourning because they're they're they really have an incurable disease. And so there, there's nothing that Jesus can get from him and and a Gentile and and a woman. Who do we try to reach out to? Who do we want to see come into the kingdom of, of God? Who do we want to see come into our church? The priests ignored it. The religious authorities, the upper class, the, the, the wealthy. But, but Jesus is reaching out to a fisherman's mother-in-law, a, a leper, a Gentile. That, that God's grace is extended to all people. And I think a lot of times I, I probably have this attitude, of, i got to find somebody just like me, and that's who, you know, I, I, I need to witness to, somebody that that, that that person should be in the family of God. But Jesus says, there's going to be people reclining at Abraham's table from the north, south, east, and west from all over. And people in the kingdom who think they're going to be there, they're not going to be there. These, these, these Jews that think just because I'm a child of Abraham, I'm going to be in the kingdom of God. You know, he says God is able to raise up children from these stones or from lepers or from Gentiles or from in, in that, those, that day and time from women. It's like all, you know, that God's grace is extended to all. And he's, he's interested in healing the whole person. The disease, but also that ultimate sin that ostracizes us and, and, and isolates us and casts us out of, of God's presence. Anything else before we go? I want you to, I want to get out early so we can get a good seat in the, you know. Is it, I guess it's, audit, what do you call it, auditorium? In big church, since. Do we? What is this week? May, okay. Who, who has birthdays? One, two, three, four. Mary's joining the Medicare. Welcome to the club. I'm happy to be here. Supposedly it's pretty good. I, I don't know. Well, my Mary is on it, and she's like, well, this is good. And it did save me a little bit of money. <laughs> well, happy birthday, everyone. Um, Somebody lost my pen. So we have Cindy, Mary, Terry, and Emily. Emily's not here. Nina's not either. Nina's not either. She's going to have a birthday anyhow. Let's sing happy birthday to, to, to the ones that, that are here. And so...
You can say it in whatever order you want. I wrote down Cindy, Mary, Terry, Emily. But if you wanted to say Emily, Terry, Mary, Cindy, you can. I'm not sure which way rhymes the best. Okay? To all of you. To y'all. Okay, let's just say y'all. That's good, right? Are you ready? Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear y'all. Happy birthday to you. And we should pray after that for sure. <laughs> Let's pray and then we'll, we'll go. Father, we thank you for your word. And God, we just thank you for uh, just the uh, reinforcement, the reminder that you sent your son for all people. That just as all of these situations were hopeless, our situation being dead in our sin, dead in our trespasses was just as hopeless except for that redemption that you provide by the death, burial, and resurrection of your son Jesus. God, may we look at others as Jesus looked at them. Not as someone that we can profit by, but someone that needs to know the, the good news and that would be willing to, to share it. And perhaps we would be fortunate enough to be there when, when you save, when you bring back one of, one of the lost. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.